0: Hi, and welcome back to This Week in Voice, Episode 2 of Season 3. My name is Bradley Metrock. I'm CEO of a company called Score Publishing based in Nashville, Tennessee. We have been very thrilled and surprised to see the rise of This Week in Voice on the Apple Podcast charts. Thank you to everyone listening to this show and, to list, and listening to all of our Voice First FM network, our family of shows from voice marketing to Alexa in Canada to VUX World to talk to me to all of our first party shows. We appreciate you. Voice XP has been our sponsor for this week in voice for the majority of the time, but this show, as well as the remainder of season three will be sponsored by the Alexa conference taking place January 15th through the 17th in Chattanooga, Tennessee, the worldwide gathering of the Alexa development community. Check that out at voicefirst.fm slash Alexa conference. We'll link to that in the show notes. We've got two excellent guests today. Very honored to have both of them join us. Our first is Obaid Ahmed, founder of Botmock. Obaid, say hello. Hi, everyone. Obaid, thank you very much for joining us. Share with us what Botmock is and what y'all do. It's a great company.
1: Yeah, so uh, Botmog is a design and prototyping tool for conversational apps. So anybody who's designing an app for Alexa, Google Assistant, Facebook Messenger, WeChat, Line, Slack, Microsoft Teams, anything do that has to do with conversation, they can use Botmog to prototype their experiences for their customers, understand what, what, they, what the journey will look like, test it out before they go and commit into uh, development cycles, and then use that design document as the genesis of the project.
0: We are also joined by Dwayne Forrester, Vice President of Industry Insights for Yext. Dwayne, say hello. Hey, everybody. Happy to be here. Dwayne, thank you for joining us. And take a moment and share with us a little bit. You've got an interesting title for Yext, and Yext is an interesting company. Share with us a little bit about
2: what you do uh, for Yext and what Yext does in general. Okay. Um, I'll approach this in reverse order. Um, Yext is a data management platform. Um, so if you are a business that has locations, you're going to be plugged into some system like this to manage all that data across the hundreds of locations that pop up across the internet. Um, and now it seems also areas like what we're about to talk about, uh, you know, the Amazon ecosystem and uh, the voice space and that kind of thing. Uh, my role, um, I have a, a long history at Microsoft. I ran Webmaster Tools there for a while. And um, much like in that role, my focus at uh, Yext is really to help companies understand how to be successful in these new spaces, uh, to kind of tease out the changes that are coming from consumer behavior and adoption, and to help them position themselves to know, you know, when it's time to do things like call Obeyed and say, we need to build this, how do we do that? and and to understand, is this something they do on their own, or is this something that they are going to need specific skills and help with? Gentlemen, thank both of you for setting this time aside. We greatly appreciate
0: that. And with that, we will get to the news. So we just found out this morning, we are recording this show live Thursday morning on September the 20th. Uh, In a few hours from now, Amazon will Release the blitzkrieg of new Alexa-enabled products that we described in story number one. They did this last year. Uh, they released a number of things all on the same day, catching people by surprise in a similar sort of fashion. We got the Echo Show that day, I believe. I know we got the Echo Buttons. Um, there were several things that came out that day. Uh, and story 1A, we already have a glimpse into what a couple of those are, thanks to some leaks in Echo Subwoofer and Amazon Smart Plug and and some other things. So, Obaid, I'm going to start with you. What do you think is going to happen today? I mean, we know what's going to happen today, but what do you think this is going to do for the Amazon ecosystem? Is this going to just uh, keep Amazon in its position of dominance? Is this going to move the needle further that direction? Is this sort of a uh, who cares, you know, just an afterthought? Share Share with me your thoughts as you look at this information about what Amazon is doing today and all these products are coming out with.
1: It's actually very exciting. It's, it seems like they're growing their ecosystem into different places, different sort of surfaces, as they call. Um, so, you know, trying things out and seeing what, how consumer responds to it. The subwoofer is sort of like a play against the Apple pod, I believe. And uh, the smart plug is just to test out what other smart devices they can go with. I think we're going to see a lot of these integrations with automobile, microwaves to other appliances and devices in your home. And they're going to try to see where they can land with this sort of technology and how consumers as well as developers respond to it. It's a a good move. Uh, It it will definitely move the needle on the industry itself. Um, I think Google is trying the same thing with Google services, with Lenovo and other devices coming out. Um, And so Alexa is moving much faster in getting the First into your device kind of strategy. They did this for Echo and Alexa's platform initially as well, which was to get the device in the door on your kitchen counter and then expand from there and by doing it better developer sort of outreach and build a better experience through skills and all that stuff around it. So um, to me, it's a, it's actually very exciting to see what else would they be announcing today. Uh, there's some other rumors around, you know, they've been integrating with some appliances. So we'll see how much that holds true, but the subwoofer I'm not really su- surprised about. That's just the offering that they needed to do get into the Sonos and Apple Pod market a little bit. Smart plug, I could see them doing this now. After this, is is it you know the they already have bought a couple of uh, lock companies. They've done thermostats and other stuff like that. So it'll be interesting to see how much do they embed by themselves launching these products versus embedding into third party applications directly. One of the
0: products that is rumored is an, Alexa, an Alexa-enabled microwave. Have you seen that?
1: I have. Yes, I actually heard about it that day. I'm I'm excited and afraid of it. I guess uh, at the same time, it's like, do you really need to talk to your microphone, by a microwave? But <laughs> hey, you know, I mean, we'll try it out and see how that goes. I mean,
0: uh, yeah, I do like Amazon's willingness to. Um, to be bold and Dwayne, I'm going to turn to you and, and, and ask you the same question at the voice summit over the summer, you know, Yext announced its relationship with Amazon. So mm-hmm. That's an important, uh, precursor to, to this, but I want to get your opinion as well. Uh, as you look at Amazon continuing to be bold, continuing to make moves, continuing to, to be willing to, uh, have people make fun of them a little
2: bit in order to 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 keep in order for the sake of progress? What are your thoughts? You know, history has proven those that are mocked today are tomorrow's geniuses. I, I look at all of this and I see it as um, you know, there's an immediate moment in time where you have um, uh, you know, there's a sale of a hardware device that's happening. Um, th- there's that, and historically. We see Amazon kind of pushing boundaries and doing things like Prime Day, inventing a sales day, and now it's huge. And these numbers that we see on things like that are starting to rival traditional holiday selling days. This is Amazon's play of inventing a space between back to school and Thanksgiving, where they have a constant yearly drumbeat of new things that then fuel the adoption curve over the holiday period that takes them into the new year. And and honestly, this is all about footprint. This is all about adoption in my life and getting me to attach to an ecosystem. These things are great, okay? Like, I want the sub because I want that richer base. I have a full vinyl-based system with high-end speakers and subwoofers in my home, and I want that when I'm just listening to Spotify on my Echo. And so, so the sub is an easy way in, and it appeals to the 90th percentile of people that are out there. It adds that extra layer. It's super handy. Not sure if I, you know, really care whether you know Amazon can make me a burrito in a microwave. Well, that's great, but you're going to have to show me how this, you know, impacts my life. But what's fascinating is we have a focus right now, and this is obviously incredibly important to us today, as we're as we're recording this, um, given the timing of these things. But in the, in, over this past year, we've also seen some very large moves. Amazon partnering with Ford and Audi to embed Alexa in vehicles. So there's another footprint in your life that you have access to. And this goes way beyond having access to Siri through Apple CarPlay or, or um, Android Auto. This goes into, these things are embedded. You talk to your vehicle and it's like talking to your device. And even prior to that, They announced a partnership with a company called Lenar. Lenar is a large home and community manufacturing company. that They build houses. And you're going to be able to specify in homes that they build that Alexa is actually built into the structure of the home. Not a device that you stick on a a spot in the corner, but, but she's embedded whole home. So you can see... Five years from now, 10 years from now, people buying homes may be asking real estate agents things like, is this an Alexa home? Is this a Google Assistant home? Does it have an assistant built into it? And 20 years from now, it's going to become the norm. When Amazon did this last year,
0: I asked the question of, isn't this a little too confusing I, can people keep up with all of this stuff? Because uh, recall last year when they did this same exact dog and pony show, we got the show, we got the buttons, we got all all these different. There was seven or eight different things then too, and I can safely say a year later, no, it didn't matter one bit that it was confusing. Uh, that you know, Amazon is not doing this for the individual P and L of the items. Anyway, they're doing it just for an absolute uh, overwhelm the opposition sort of strategy. And I I will ask the same question just for both of y'all now and Obeyed, I'll start with you and Dwayne, I'll go to you. Do you agree? It almost doesn't even matter if the customer's confused or knows all the different products that have Alexa in it. They're just going to get to the point and Amazon's obviously trying to get them there to where they just expect alexa will come in almost everything at this point do you agree with that or you think that they should have done this some other way
1: i agree with that, that, that i think that's their strategy is to show the consumer that they, hey this this technology is ready for all of these different various use cases and look we're putting it all across it also is the indication to the competitors that you know we are already thinking about rolling it out, already are rolling it out and you know our ability to roll it out into they went from like four devices announced last time to like maybe eight to 12. I don't know which ones that be, but at least eight today, today at least. So they're increasing their footprint and they're building a confidence into consumer that this technology is working. We are expanding on it. This is not just into a, a subwoofer anymore. It's not just a speaker that controls your home. It's, it's our lights alone will be in every other device uh, and I think this also gets them to test the market out quickly. I think that's a smart move is to diversify your integrations and quickly see where it goes. So all the way from your microwave in your home to your car in your driveway has will have some sort of Alexa compatibility to it. Another uh, the, thing, the other challenge, other side of the coin is really from a consumer's point of view, are they really expecting a very deeper integration or experience on these platforms? And I think as brands, are now looking at Alexa and Google Assistant and all these wise platforms, and they're looking at it saying, well, where do we invest our first dollar? And I think Alexa is making a good case for that right now with all these offerings.
2: Oh, it is, it is by far too confusing, but I think that is actually the choice that they're willfully making. I mean, humans, I was listening to something just the other day on the radio, um, and it, the gentleman was talking about, he remembers a time when he went into a grocery store And there were like six different types of juices that you could buy on the counter or on the shelf at his grocery store. And now he walks in and there are 38 different varieties. So throughout life, everything we have is choice overload and it leads to confusion. And what it does is it forces the human mind into a comfortable space. I, one point in my career, used to work for Caesar's Palace Casinos and these companies gambling, that industry are extremely adept at getting you to follow a baseline instinct that they've already given you. And they do that through very, very subtle ways. Things like the design on the ceiling or the carpet. When you walk into a casino, these are very busy. Your mind gets overloaded. You tend to look away from them and you look straight up. And when you look up in a casino, you see the pay tables at slot machines. All of those signs that are on the slot machines are there at eye level to make you think you could win that to go and put your money into it. Um, So Amazon has a similar type of approach, which is like, here's everything for everybody. People will self sort and figure out what they want. But beyond that, this is very much a scenario like McDonald's in the seventies and the eighties. McDonald's in the seventies and eighties was nothing about trying to attract people or trying to attract adults. It was all about trying to get kids attached to their brand. And, And as you do that, you have a generation of people who are self-identified with it. And they make their own rationale for staying with you and for engaging with you. Right now, we're seeing Gen Z is starting to come into their first level of jobs. So forget millennials, Amazon's looking at Gen Z. And now at the very earliest stages of Gen Z, or I guess the youngest of the Gen Zs, you've got kids walking around in homes talking to all devices because they have an expectation today that all devices are smart. So when that gets fulfilled over the next five years, the world that they will come into as full-on consumers will be the world of Amazon's logo on everything. And that's what Amazon's setting up right now. I think it's a brilliant long-term strategy. We will move on to story number two, the VoiceBot.ai story of the week.
0: VoiceBot.ai, a fantastic news and commentary site, friend of the show. SoundHound wins pile up as Houndify is just added to Mercedes' m in-car system. So recall that SoundHound had already been added to Hyundai vehicles uh, and had landed a major deal with them um, a while back. And now they're in Mercedes as well. And uh, just as a side note, as you can see on the event, uh, on the uh, news page, uh, Katie McMahon, former guest of uh, this week in voice, uh, fantastic executive is keynoting the voice of the car summit. That's next year. If you want information about that, it's right there for you. Dwayne, I want to start with you. And you mentioned cars uh, in the previous story. Mm -hmm. What, First of all, just your general take as you see what SoundHound is doing—they're making a lot of impressive moves. But uh, I also want to ask you, as we enter, as we head into 2019, what is the expectation in your mind um, as a consumer yourself of how much connectivity a car ought to have back to these voice assistants? What, where's the expectation level at, and what do you like about this SoundHound story in particular?
2: Uh, well, I think the expectation level, if we, if we take it as a general statement across like all consumers, the, the expectation level is pretty low. Um, most consumers are still just starting to get their hands on and to hear for the first time interactions with voice assistants. So think about Siri, think about Cortana, think about Alexa and Google Assistant at that level. So for a consumer to suddenly find, oh, look, there's more choice. And now when I go buy this car, here you go. Um, this is an interesting play. If you look at the average demographic of buyers for Mercedes, you know, Mercedes has an older clientele. And if those consumers are affluent, and they are, they already know, they are already early adapters of the current crop of voice assistants that we see out there. And so, you know, like I'm, I'm literally reading from what they said uh, in in their press release, like, hey Mercedes, what is the fat content of an avocado? I I really don't know that that's going to be a use case in an automobile. You know, like I understand what's the size of Texas because maybe I'm going on a road trip in my new Mercedes and I'm excited, and now I'm curious to know how long it will take me to drive across Texas. That makes perfect sense, but. You know, I think that there is um, there's a lot of room for growth in this. And what we're going to see is we're going to see the extension of our lives on our mobile devices into a very mobile device, our automobile. And we already have a battle for the dashboard happening at the entry level in the automotive space, which is the uh, Android Auto and Apple CarPlay integrations. And auto manufacturers have already given up on that. They've given that space. The auto manufacturer provides the large, glossy touchscreen the phone service provider and the, the system behind it, the intelligence system, that provides all of the brain power, the connectivity, and the information. And so I, I'm not really sure here. Um, you know, I, I I suspect there's always, because there's always a first, second, third, fourth, fifth, and so on, there will always be room for things like this. But ultimately, the question is, if we're looking at this long term, How do you grow a product like this that is embedded in my automobile? How do you grow that into the rest of my life? Because that's the direction this has to go in. And the direction that Amazon and Google and Microsoft and uh, Apple are taking is from my life into my devices, not from a single device into my life. That's a limited use case scenario with a limited lifespan, I think. That's what I think is so interesting about the selection of SoundTown
0: for these uh, in-car ecosystems. Uh, And and what what I think makes it such a great move is that, you know, SoundHound can, in theory, intermediate between a number of different voice assistants, and and it can be a safer hedge against whichever one might win in the home. Choosing SoundHound in the car, you know, you ought to be all good. And, Obey, that leads me to ask you, Uh, You know, I want to ask you the same questions. Um, What are your thoughts uh, with Botmock and and all the stuff that you're involved in as you look at what SoundHound is doing with cars? And what are your thoughts about expectations of of voice in cars in general at this point?
1: So, yeah, so I agree with Duane on the expectation level. It's, It's pretty low. We've had this voice experience in the cars before with Microsoft Sync. That didn't really go that well. With a couple of the technologies coming in, you can control your audio or radio and stuff like that. I think from a, it's 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 almost a real estate play inside the car. And I think what SoundHound is doing is to get in there first and say, okay, we are the default voice-enabled system when you don't have any device connected. We are the one that sort of controls the rest of the car. Um, So you know, Alexa and those things would be primarily when you connect through AutoPlay and Apple CarPlay. But Alexa is also trying to make that as a first class citizen to some cars as well. So that'll be interesting play in terms of as a consumer, I walk in, I'm like, okay, I I like Alexa in my home. I'm talking to my microwave now and my fridge and my everything appliances and everything else in my home. Do I need to start talking to my car with Alexa first or is it going to be when I connect my phone, then I have access to Alexa or my Google Assistant? Um, CarPlay with the Siri and uh, with Apple, so Google's Assistant, they do have the and the Apple, uh, Android audio uh, autoplay to connect with, but Alexa needs to move into the same direction. I think this is sort of like uh, Sanhan's move to displace Alexa a little bit, uh, or at least go to Alexa and say, hey, you can be a 2nd class citizen with us where Alexa and Cortana are doing the same thing on the desktop experience or other Cortana experiences where you can ask Cortana about something. and be like, oh, I can't answer that, but Alexa can, or you can ask Alexa, hey, Cortana, can you ask Cortana for this information? So that, from our perspective at Botmark, uh, when we're looking at the bigger picture of conversation design, we're looking at different surfaces that the, your conversation, your user is moving through and the context of the conversation can change. So when you started off at home searching for the restaurant on Alexa, you get into your car. Uh, how does that context go to your car? If the car is Alexa enabled, if it's SoundHound, is SoundHound going to be available in my home devices as well? So it's it's interesting to see the two different approaches are the same, uh, sort of t- trying to get to the consumer. Uh, but we we are looking at all of these as experiences that needs to be designed, and all the surfaces and multimodal, as we call them, uh, experiences. Um, it, I also agree with Dwayne's point of you know the the it has to be my life, and then the devices come in, not the device that dictates my life. And I think that's what Generation Z is extremely extremely picky about. Um, we've seen a high level of growth in, you know, wise searches on Google Maps. we uh, have seen uh, that those are numbers of people are very comfortable talking to their devices now. Um, and in the car, they expect, right now they expect it to be pretty much a simple case of find me the closest locations, things like that. I don't think the examples are kind of they gave, you know, do a currency conversion, all that. Those are the kind of things that People don't expect cars to do. People don't expect Alexa to do inside the car. Um, They have their devices to do that for. So there's not going to be one device that gets everything. Uh, I think it's going to be device plus the technology and the context around it. And you have to, as a designer, as a brand, you have to design for the context. You have to think about the the environment the user is in and then design the experience around that. Because that's the only way... Uh, you're going to get the attention span, especially with Vice. It's extremely low attention span. People want to have short conversations, but they want to have minimal conversations. So um, it'll be interesting to see.
0: Story number three: Simply Safe adds Google Assistant compatibility. Google has not s- stood by while Amazon has taken over the market uh, quietly. You know, starting from the beginning of this year, really. And we documented this in season two of This Week in Voice quite a bit. You know, Google uh, bought all the ads at CES, and that made a lot of news in and of itself. Then, you know, they've continued to make incremental moves. Then they came out with Duplex and surprised the world with that. Google has shown that it's uh, certainly an equal competitor to Amazon, um, even though the two have different approaches. And I think you see some of it here. What struck me in this article was some of the um, verbal commands that you can use with this security system with Google Assistant. And, Obeyed, I want to start with you. You know, The article goes into you can say, hey, Google, am I protected? So you can say, hey, Google, am I protected? And nothing more than that and get relevant information from the security system. I, I want to ask you, what was your take at sort of looking at this article, and do you agree with the premise that I just sort of set forth that Google is holding serve at least against Amazon in its own way with some of these deeper conversational things that they're doing
1: it's a It's an interesting move from that Google has been making. i I kind of like it better than what Alexa strategy is. Alexa strategy is more expensive to build your own devices and get those devices to the consumer. Google is going to the consumer and saying, hey, you like this particular device for your home security? Well, the next version of it now talks to Google as well. Or it could be that your version of that device now enabled with uh, Google Assistant in it. And Google Assistant is now my sort of one portal that I am connecting all of my home devices to and saying, okay, I, you know, am I able to make this device as smart as my next, uh, the other devices in my home? And that kind of works fairly well. Now, it also makes the context switching easier for me. So I'm just looking at Google and saying, hey, Google, am I protected? And Google knows through my profile that I've connected all these security devices, and it can actually know which device am I talking about. And uh, usually you pick one security device to go with. So once you have made that choice, it's a long-term investment, I guess, as well. So these devices instead of Google making those devices and sending them to you, they are going to other manufacturers and saying, How can we integrate with you? How can we bring that voice technology smartness to you? Um, similar to what Soundhouse trying to do with their voice technology and saying to the manufacturers, hey, we can make your devices smarter or we can make, you know, bring bring voice to your devices. Uh, Google has enough uh, sort of like a easier integration with that. I think they're They've been doing that extremely well. I've seen a lot of now devices that are advertising that says, you know, works with Google assistant. Alexa has that as a, as a strategy as well, but I think they also diluted by launching their own devices. Um, And, but Google has been extreme. This is, this is a great way to get into my home and to, you know, giving me choices between all the devices that I want to use, get the same experience that I get across all of these devices or, similar experience that i can get all through all the devices um and, and they get essentially a software kit that goes into every single hardware kit and they have to avoid all these expensive hardware builds from my end i think this is this is really good um, this is how i think consumers are going to start getting more comfortable with talking to devices um, security is a big concern about when you're talking to these devices a lot of people look at it and say you know Am I talking to Alexa or am I talking to your brand? Or am I, if I'm talking to your brand, you know, who controls this conversation, who has the logs around it? With Google's approach, it's like saying, hey, you trust Google with your information, whatever that might mean for, for different people. But you're talking to Google Assistant via this device or you're talking to Google Assistant about this device. And Google Assistant knows how to control the device for you. So, Dwayne, I want to ask you from Yek's
0: standpoint, You've got the relationship with amazon of course you've got a relationship with google too how how does yext view amazon versus google in the voice space uh, as equals as close to one another as distantly apart share with
2: share with us your thoughts on that i would definitely say as equals uh, recognizing that equal at different times and different spaces puts one ahead of the other you know obviously if you're looking at google There are some areas it has strengths in amazon is still building in and vice versa um and so you know from our perspective we are literally agnostic we are all about managing data and then google or amazon or bing or anybody is the end user of that data as we pass it on so how they use that entirely up to them um obviously it's in our best interest if all of them are hugely successful with these pursuits. So, uh, so, you know, we, we prefer, and we are very much in the background of all of that. Um, specifically to the simply safe space, uh, article here, this is actually really interesting to me. Um, you know, I, I actually, I I agree completely with, with what Obaid was saying on this. And, and what's really fascinating to me is, Earlier this year, Google uh, put out a press release where they noted that they are partnering assistant with something like 1,500 Internet of Things devices from third-party manufacturers. So, Google is very wisely using all of those other businesses to embed themselves in people's lives. So, as those companies market their product, Google goes along for the ride on that. And Google being there helps that product rise to the top as well. Um, This is really important, especially something if you look specifically at home safety. You're talking about the sanctity of my home, the safety of my family and myself. These are very baseline things, and Google has a history of protecting your life and your money with its online footprint, and they're pretty good at protecting your information and your data, and they're pretty good at filtering spam out of email. So, they have a fairly good track record of being there for the average consumer. And I think this is a natural step forward into an area that resonates with consumers. You've got a lot of people that are coming into their first homes, that are buying their first homes now, or even live in apartments who can then set these things up. And people believe there is a blanket of security here. And there is certainly more security than not having a system. Um, One area that remains concern with this, and most consumers don't even think about this, uh, is the security of the system, the network that actually this whole thing runs on. Um, If somebody can hack your Wi-Fi router in your home, then they start, that's the next step to having access to all of that security system. So, you know, we still have some bits and pieces to fill in the blanks on, but I think Google's very smart in attaching to these things where consumers are saying, this is intrinsically important to me, and I like that, because now Google becomes synonymous with protecting my home, with the word protection, with the concept of protecting, and then that becomes the kind of psychological touch point that they ring the bell against every time they put another product out on the market. Somebody feels there's a warm and fuzzy around that moment, and that's how you get people to attach to your brand long-term. If the parents buy the system and Google Assistant is a part of it, when the kids grow up, the kids are going to be Google kids, they're going to be Google adults, and everything will be Google. So again, I think it's a wise play. What is the most important metric
0: that we should be looking at within the voice ecosystem and adoption right now? I'm just curious, What is if you had to hold up one metric uh, on a, uh, on a, on a flashcard and say, this is the most important thing that matters right now, what would it be? Would it be length of conversation? This is between Amazon and Google, as well as we'll talk about Siri in a minute, Bixby, Mycroft, uh, Cortana, whoever we're talking about. Is it length of conversation? Is it number of devices that have the voice assistant embedded? Is it number of households that have at least one of those devices in it? Um, is it any number of other metrics I could rattle off right now in your mind? What is that number one most important thing? I'm just curious. Obeyed, I'll start with you and then Dwayne, I'll go to you.
1: For me, at least it's the number of conversations started per day with these devices. doesn't matter what surface they are, right? If I'm Google assistant, I want to know, uh, in that team, I want to know how many people are starting conversations every single day, uh, in a, in a particular day, how many times do they have a conversation with it? So That that is a very key factor because that means that how many times are they actually asking or depending on Google Assistant to do something for them? Same thing with Alexa and other sign devices. The length of the conversation right now doesn't matter.
2: I think if you're Google or you're Amazon, the number one reason you're into this right now is to teach your machine learning systems to get more and more data to speed the learning curve because ultimately what they're trying to get to is a true digital agent A system where we, each of us individually, have our own assistant that is capable of acting on our behalf. And so this goes all the way back to to SoundHound here. Like At that point, you will then have an intermediary who's capable of acting in your best interest. And that's what these systems are ultimately being built toward is that concept in the future. And so right now, you know, these companies are watching, you know, minutes of engagement, satisfaction, um, their, you know, a, a veracity of answers, accuracy of answers, and so on. All of those metrics are being tracked. But I think the number one thing is how do they get their systems to learn better, deeper, and faster? Those are the numbers that they're looking at most acutely. We're going to move on to story number four. So it wouldn't be right
0: without talking about Apple on This Week in Voice. We've uh, maligned them for Season 1. We've maligned them in Season 2. We're probably going to malign them in Season 3. This article is Siri shortcuts are now available with the arrival of iOS 12. And so my question for the panel, and Dwayne, I'll start with you, does this matter? Well, how much does this matter uh, to you? How much does Siri uh, shortcuts matter? Um, and uh, is this something in your estimation that, uh, that moves the needle getting Apple back in the voice game uh, or is this just sort of uh,
2: treading water still? And it, it's, it's not that big, not that big of a deal. Yeah. This is a nice to have, not a must have. I mean, I've played with them. I've got, you know, the latest build on my, on my iPhone and um I don't know, like the usefulness to me is still being, it's still being trumped by my muscle memory. You know, I know how to get to the feature I want on my phone for photography fast. I've, I've expertly figured that out over the last year of living with it. So telling me there's a new way to do this, hey, I was excited about that until I saw my drop-down options of what was available to me and nothing that was in that option list it was something that I use. So... It's like, oh, okay, well, that one's lost on me. And being able to dive deeper into those app moments and and specifically pick the one thing, I mean, apps are doing that on their own. Your digital agent, your digital assistant is starting to do that now. I mean, I think it's a nice to have. I think it's a great idea. They need to explore these things. Um, We're going to have to see how the time plays out, the actual utility of this. And if consumers are even going to notice it, I mean, There's so much blindness that consumers will often just sit there and be like, oh, cool. I got an update. That's awesome. And then they'll never look into it. They never actually get in there. Like, I'd love to see statistics on Animojis and are people actually using them? Because I used them like crazy for the first few weeks. I thought they were the funnest, the coolest. They were awesome. And I don't think I've used one in nine months since. So, you know, is this just another one of those things where it's like, oh, that's cool. And it's a nice PR... You know, put in the press release, and it's a differentiator, but I don't know that it moves a needle anywhere.
1: Yeah, this is a nice to have at best. It's uh, it actually is very. Uh, I, I don't understand why they didn't actually bundle this with the update as an app. Why do I have to go and download three shortcuts as an app? Um, as a consumer, there's no way I'm doing that uh, in the mass market. I mean. And then even then, when I download the app and I tried using it, I'm like, okay, I don't know exactly how this really works and what value does it add to my thing. Um, to me, I should just talk to Siri and Siri should be smart enough to upgrade herself and you know answer the question that I'm asking her. Uh, Apple is really behind on Siri and they are, this is purely a PR play to just make sure that people are still hearing about Siri in the news. But um, it, it has been extremely disappointing to see what they've done with the Siri. Um, I mean, the device is in everybody's hand, and Google is actually using the devices extremely well to introduce people to Google Assistant. And then, at, you know, at the bare minimum, you're using Google Assistant on your device to do certain sort of things on just on your device. And the apps can work with them, and all that stuff. The entire ecosystem of Google Assistant apps is available to you in some capacity. They use it as a surface, really. With Siri, I think Apple just needs to copy that. I mean, just just they they're way they're way too behind on this. They need to catch up quickly. Um, and they need to power up Siri to be more smarter and do things. The People expect Siri to do the, the workflow things already. Um, you know, you should be able to tell your device certain things, and it should know that, hey, you're not talking about a particular uh, application in Google, like, for example, in Google Assistant, I can say set the alarm. and I find that works. workflow where it says, you know, I'm watching a movie and all those kind of things, I should be able to do that just by pressing Siri button. Why do I have to download an app for that? So I don't know what their strategy really is. I, it's, it baffles me why... A, why is this a second app? Uh, who, who will actually download this app? Who will configure this app? How would apps work with it? And from a consum- again, from a brand's perspective, how do I play nice with Siri is still a question up in the air. Um, from a conversation, from a brand's perspective, their move around Apple Business Chat excites me. Siri, not so much. Excellent. And the point about
0: it being a separate standalone app and sort of the curiosity of that is well taken. Um just from my standpoint, you just continue to get the sense. And this has sort of been the way it's been under uh, Tim Cook is that, you know, they're, they're driving the car. They really don't, you know, but they really don't know where they're headed. You know, they're, they're doing some stuff with voice because they see Amazon doing some stuff and they see Google doing some stuff and, and they've had Siri and they bought that before Tim Cook took over, but now he's here and, He doesn't really know the direction it's supposed to go. That was Steve Jobs, and there's no there's no sense of direction with what Apple's doing. Uh, You just don't have any sort of. And maybe it's just me. I mean, uh, feel free to chime in if you think I'm wrong uh, or you disagree. But uh, there's no overarching, you know, sense of hey, here's here's our purpose. Here's what we're trying to do for you, the consumer. Um, It's just oh, hey, here's something we just decided to do yesterday, so have at it.
1: Yeah, I think I agree with you that they are they're multi, well, they're a trillion-dollar company sitting with cash thinking, what do we do with this? Their product lines are stealing. Even their, so the, their flagship product that I think, from a developer's perspective, for the MacBook is now getting a lot of backlash on. Microsoft is building really good laptop and hardware devices now too that are targeting that premium users and how can they get around it. Their iPad and iPhone certainly is one of those devices that I think it's extremely well built and all that, but their why strategy is weak. They're, they've been doing this car thing for a long time, rumors that they're building a car. No, they're not building a car. They're building Siri into car. No, they're not doing that this way and that way. I think it's a lot of things and you, consumers are not identifying Apple as that, as a company that they have in their daily lives everywhere. Uh, that ecosystem that they started off with the handover, or handoff between your phone and your laptop and all the ecosystem around it, it kind of seems like it's broken now. And they have the technologies to put it together. They have the pieces. It's just they don't know how to put it together.
2: Yeah, I think, um, you know, you're looking at a hardware company approaching um, the kind of data of life scenario uh, that the other competition has already stepped in and said, we are a part of the data of life conversation. And we're we're using that to grow tendrils into lives. And Apple's approach to this has been the hardware entry into my life. And, And it was, I mean, don't get me wrong, on track and still very valuable. But, you know, where are you in a world of streaming music? I'm still of a generation where I have a music collection. I have a physical music collection. I have my digital music collection. And now I'm building everything out on Spotify. So, you know, what happens when... A generation from now, everybody's on streaming. And, and these types of things start to become less important. We're already starting to see uh, handset sales for smartphones start to flatten in North America. So, what comes after the smartphone? And then, where does that leave them? In this instance, if we took the information we see right now, that would leave them in a distant trailing position in terms of the next net new technologies that are impacting consumer lives they're just not there. We're all aligned on this. Uh Apple
0: Apple needs some help and Apple uh I know y'all are listening. Please go do yourself a favor, buy SoundHound. I said this last season, I'm going to say it this season. Just go buy SoundHound. Do yourself a favor. You're going to end up doing it anyway. Um and uh, when you do cut me a check. I'll be waiting for it. Uh, <laughs> story number 5. This is a good one. And we like to end with one on this week in voice where it's a little bit off the beaten path or a little bit funny. There's nothing really funny about this story, but I do feel strongly there is a Rorschach test element to this story that we presented for number five. And it's about Lenovo's multimodal marketing message called sometimes seeing is better. And I don't really want to comment on this very much. I want to get y'all's thoughts on it and just see what stood out to you the most about this. Obeyed, I'm going to start with you. Uh, you like this campaign. You don't like this campaign. You like the multimodal aspect. Share with me whatever stood
1: out to you the most about this story. I like the campaign. I think this is the, the perfect use case right now to get people to sort of find their place in voice and interaction uh, with devices. Uh, we we see that Echo Show and all these other platforms actually have some sort of screen now attached to it. It's going to be a smart screen uh, plus voice feature for a bit at least. Um, you know, people, there's there's a problem with information, and you know, Devin probably knows this better than I do about you know all the information that you have to present to the user. There's just possibly no way for you to give a very good experience on voice only. There are very limited use cases that you can do on. Uh, do that with and then all of the platforms will look at that and say for more information look at a screen because I have that for you and uh, you can you can do some more things with the screen now the touch screen aspect of it maybe not so much but definitely you know controlling your screen through voice and getting the data that actually you know you might be using voice to explain the data you're showing but then somebody needs to see that data and the use cases they show there especially the, the recipe cooking one it's a great one if you've ever used uh, Alexa to follow along a recipe, you know that how hard it is to actually just, you know, sometimes visual is better in terms of just your hands are full. You don't want to, you just want to see what that measurement really was. You don't want to keep on asking Alexa, can you repeat that again? And it repeats the entire thing until, you know, you really memorize it. So there's a, I think the use case is really relevant right now. The devices look pretty decent. This will help people look at Echo Show differently too. I think that might help them in terms of selling this. I think, the use case of, hey, I'm busy with my hands. I, I want to talk to my device and say, hey, Google, can you do this? And Google says, this is what the instructions are. And here you go. There's more details on the screen that you can see whenever you're free.
2: I've been kind of predicting for the last year that this was going to happen with Google um, since Amazon released show. And I like so many people would tell me, you're crazy. Why would I need a screen on this? What's the point? I have a laptop. I have a phone. I have this. I have that they miss the critical component that the show was actually built to be water resistant and used in the kitchen. So to obey point, like that's a great use case scenario. Um, another one is I want to buy a sweater. Okay. What color blue? Okay. I have a blue sweater. Would you like me to order it? Hang on. What color blue is that? Like it's those simple things, you know, I once ordered dog food through my uh, device thinking I was being really cool and really front of the curve and, you know, like the first surfer on the wave here. And I got the wrong bag of dog food. And it was because the system talked me through it. I had forgotten that I'd ordered a different bag of dog food the last time I used Amazon on my on my laptop. And it said, Do you want to reorder the last one? And I said yes. And so then I had two bags of the wrong dog food. You know, and having that visual reference, it solves that problem. And we're going to see more of this. This is going to become an embeddable experience. We, you know, we talked earlier about things being embedded in homes. These are the types of screens that will be embedded in your walls that you will touch and talk to. You see them around offices now and, and that kind of thing. And that's, that's where this is all going to end up. Um, so I think that uh, the timing is good for them. I think their approach of partnering is a good one. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see how consumers react to this this, uh, this coming shopping season. Dwayne, it was your point that you
0: made earlier on the Siri story that I think uh, applies here where you made the point that Apple, with Apple devices, your muscle memory is accumulated. You know exactly where to go, exactly how to do everything. So that's a real steep hill to climb for voice to supplant that. Um, it's It's a necessary hill to climb. It's just harder because Apple's a victim of their own success in a way. And I thought that was a great point. And the same thing holds true here where, you know, your dog food example, you know, Amazon's a victim of their own success because they've created an incredibly uh, feature-rich, context-driven, mostly intuitive website where if you need to divert a package, uh, not to this location over here, but to that one over there, you can do that usually with just a click of a button if you need to change a payment method you can do that with a click of a button all these different things people are used to seeing the you know if you bought this other people bought that stuff um there's all those aspects of the experience that are just hard to match without the visuals and uh and i i'm i'm right there with you that's exactly why i really haven't dived in myself the thing that i think is interesting about this uh marketing campaign in particular um i'm interested to see Um, there's no doubt that the world is going to move toward incorporating visuals with the audio. And that's the, that's the way voice first is going to play out, um, in the very, very near future. I'm just, you know, in, in the, in the realm of, uh, hypersensitive, uh, social media and things like that. I'm interested to see the reaction that a message of sometimes seeing is better gets. Um, I'm going to be interested to watch this play out, but there's no doubt that for the industry, Um, And for consumer usage in general, this is the way that this needs to to head. Dwayne Obeyed, great commentary. Thank you very, very much for sharing your time, your experience, your expertise with not just me, but the audience as well. Uh, We appreciate you. Thank you very much for having me on the show.
1: Yeah, thank you. It was a sweet conversation. For This Week in Voice,
0: season three, episode two. Thank you for listening. And until next time.